The future belongs to those who control the culture, and the culture belongs to those who control the conversation. So we are having the conversations you wish you could have at church to build a safe and vibrant community. This is the Oz Table Talk podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Oz Table Talk. Today, we are going to be uh, breaking a little bit from our normal programming, and we're going to be doing an interview, and that interview is with Dan Banyos. Uh, Dan, welcome to the show. Hey, hey how are you going, Luke? Yeah, good, good. Uh, just to just to start us off, Dan, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read a, a bio that I, I have here for you. So it, it says, Doctor Dan is a husband, father, friend, marathon runner, and podcaster. During his spare time, he is a psychologist in clinical practice and is an adjunct faculty member of the University of Queensland Rural School of Medicine as a Bundaberg local senior pediatric psychologist. He has an interest in child development and parenting interventions. That is a long and very, very serious-sounding bio, Dan. <laughs> I'm not sure if I should commit to it, but it sounds about some of the things that I do when yeah. when I can. Mm. Yeah, you are you are a very um, multifaceted guy. Like uh, I, I, I didn't know what you did when I first met you, and so <laughs> to me, you were that you know guy I met like via church and mm. you know doing uh, you know marathon running and all the rest of it. And then I find out that there's this whole scope to your experience. So. <laughs> Uh, I think I have a bit of an attention deficit, so the Lord didn't put that in me, but I just developed it somehow, so I tend to do a lot of things, and I get bored of one, but those things that you mentioned are probably the things that I kind of like stuck to uh, yeah. along the journey, so yeah, mm. yeah. Mm. <laughs> well. Today, I really want to, like, what sparked this conversation is because mm-hmm. I was thinking about th- this whole time of the COVID-19 pandemic and what that looks like for individuals. And a lot of people are starting to find it pretty difficult to be mm. staying in their homes for long periods of time and, and really uh, starting to um, <laughs> really want to get out. And uh, mm. that's had me thinking, you know, what other what are the mental health ramifications of what's going on? And, and obviously, we're going to talk about that a bit more in depth later. But uh, just so our listeners can get more of a feel for you as an individual and where you come from, sure. um, I think let's yeah let's start with some of your background. So, okay. tell me, obviously, I can hear you You have an accent compared <laughs> to me anyway. anyway so, where, yes, did you, yes. where did you grow up? Uh, or maybe you have an accent. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, this is true. This is true. Uh, uh, look, I am originally from Mexico. I, I, I was born and raised in Mexico, and I migrated um, here uh, to Australia a little bit more than 16 years ago. And uh, okay. hey, it's been an awesome journey for sure. Mm. W- what made you decide to come to Australia? Uh, that's an interesting thing. I didn't, you know, Australia wasn't in my radar at all at the time. And um, I, if I were to be, I mean, going back to that time, the only thing I knew about Australia was from an episode that I watched on The Simpsons. I don't know if this goes against <laughs> Christian regulations, but this is that's the reality of my life. And <laughs> um, and then I met this beautiful, amazing, gorgeous spiritual woman that um, God plays in the middle of my life, and she was living here in Australia Mm -hmm. and I ended up marrying her and even after that I didn't have the vision of coming to Australia I mean most Mexicans um, go to uh, the United States Canada is just right there that was probably something that I was going to do and um, 
I didn't do that, of course. I didn't have a need to move from Mexico either. I, 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 I'll be honest, I've had a pretty good life. But God put this lady into my life and it was easier for us to move here because I knew a little bit of English and she didn't know any Spanish. So mm-hmm. off we went and um, yeah, I came here on the 21st of January, I think it was the 22, 22nd of 2004. Yeah. Wow. So, so we have your lovely that. wife to thank for that. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Definitely. So, um, as far as your experience before that, w- w- did you grow up in in the church, or was that a, a later thing? Um, look, I I grew up in a Seventh Day Adventist church. My father was a a pastor of that church, and then he left the ministry because he got sick of being moved around. He wanted to settle a little bit more, so he went back. Eventually, became a university professor in social sciences hmm. and um so i did grow up in, in 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 the church my mother also studied theology and then she went to study psychology so maybe there's a bit of reading there on me hmm. but um i i sidetracked i went off i experienced things that i regret i did because i could say that they gave me some kind of experience, but I think the value of it was not as great as some people might think. But uh, thank God, you know, he had a, a, a different plans. So I eventually uh, realized that after I tried, I went and visited different denominations, different churches, uh, either by myself or, vi- or invited by people that I studied with at university back there in Mexico. And um, after a little while, I realized that the reality is that the Bible says certain things that uh, at large match more with Adventism. And so I returned. Hmm. Yeah. Do you think it was hard, I mean, just in your own experience, do you, do you think it was a lot harder to perhaps find your own faith being a minister's kid, <laughs> having that environment around you? Do you think that made it harder for it to become your own faith? Or, or, or do you think there were more other mm. factors involved? Well, I think... My, my my father left the ministry when I was quite little, but I always knew that, that that that's what he did. And my parents preached a lot around various places in the place that we came from. So I guess maybe 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 there was a sense of revelry. Maybe there was a sense mm-hmm. of uh, self discovery of I want to know my own thing. I don't want people to dis- dictate. And my, that might come with my personality, perhaps. I didn't want people to dictate on what I was meant to do, believe, uh, act upon, or, or or uphold as a value or as a standard of life in living. Yeah. So maybe, maybe that happened. I mean, I was mm. no doubt attracted to some of the social cues and pressures. And, and I kind of like enjoyed it at the time. Mm. But um, so, yeah, I guess to answer your question, I, I think there yeah. was an influence in there. I, I do think that there is a lot of I, I don't think that I was alone and that's not to place a burden or try to sidetrack from my own experience either for right or for wrong but I think I wasn't alone in my experience I do think that there is a late a greater lens placed on pastor ki- pastor's kids if you want to call it or ministers yeah. uh, because there is an expectation um, yeah. I think I was such that I I knew I respected my parents still so I, I don't even know if to this date they know everything to the extent of the things that I did. Hmm. 
So I, I tried to hide it. And between the young people within the church who knew the things that we were doing that were not Christian valued, um, we knew what we did. Some of them kept on going to church. I kind of like sidetracked a lot more than they did. And uh, But there was that sense of we all know what we do amongst us young people. But, hmm. but we, or at least I did, I tried to keep it in such a way that it wasn't a well-known knowledge within the church um, environment, if you want to call it. That hypocrisy, yeah. if you, yeah, kind of. Yeah. yeah. W- was there like was there a pivotal event that uh, caused you to reconsider that path, or was it more Ooh. a gradual turning? There was a pivotal event for sure. Uh, I think mm. that that could be a whole episode on its own. But uh, just as a uh, as a a bit of a a quick story on that is, mm. I came on Friday night, so I wasn't coming to church that often. But there was a Friday night that I did, I, t- I took the car, I went to this church that I used to go to uh, many years back. And um, my intention was to come in, to grab a couple of my friends, get into the car, and go out somewhere else. Hmm. And um, when I came in there, I came, I opened the, 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 the door of the church, I came in, my intention was sit at the back. And um, it, it was, it was um, uh, the communion, the Lord's Supper. So as I wanted to get... As I realized what was happening, I didn't know. I thought, oh, you know, this is going to go on forever, and who knows if these guys are going to be there participating or not. I don't know. So I thought, I'm going to sit at the back, I'll wait for it to finish, and then I'll get out, and hopefully when they disperse into different rooms to do their feet washing, I'm going to grab somebody and then move away. But in Mexico, when you come, a lot of the churches are usually full, uh, or at least back then, and there is those ushers, you know, like the deacons, the deaconesses. They usually grab you and they sit you where you're going to sit so that you can find a seat. So one person grabbed me and obviously the only seats that were available, or at least I think the Lord prepared that was all the way to the front. And so uh, that was very unfortunate. So I sat in there and I'm thinking, oh, no, now we'll have to wait for the whole thing to finish. I was expecting for me to wait for the whole, th- for the whole thing to finish anyway in terms of the first session before the food washing so uh, as i plan i said hey in my mind i'm gonna wait here i'm going to once everybody goes away i'm not gonna wait for anybody else i'm just gonna go out get in the car and go away to do whatever and so i sat down quietly when the pastor said let us go to the rooms to food wash and i was waiting for everybody to disperse and i'll just play low key playing dumb but somebody spotted me and there was this guy, his name was Luis. And Luis came and he sat with me. He was only like about a year older than me. Uh, and I'm, ah, will I be maybe 17 years old, 18? I don't know, somewhere around that. And um, and Luis sat with me. And this is where I could give you a whole bigger story. But I'll just summarize it to say that I believe God sent that young guy to let me know that I was there at the right time, in the right place, and not to let my guilt hold me back. Because what God wanted me is for me to come with that guilt and surrender that guilt. Um, needless to say, I look, it, it became a bit of a blur. It was a, it was a, I did experience God talking to me through that young guy. I don't recall exactly if I participated because his invitation was for us to go and food watch together. Hmm. Um, maybe I did, maybe I didn't. 
I don't remember, but I would, what I do remember is that my life changed from there. And hmm. um, I didn't go to where I was going to go. And um, after the service, I went home. And the rest is history, you know? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's. I just find it amazing how you, we don't think of those things as being incredibly pivotal, but sometimes they're the very things that God uses to change somebody's life. You know, he could have very easily just picked someone who, you know, one of his friends would be there normally and stayed in his comfort zone, but the Holy Spirit obviously had a job for him to do, and that was to come and talk to you. You know, that's amazing. Absolutely. I'm so glad he did. I'm glad he didn't yeah. hold back. So, uh, just an- another question. Over the years... Who have been the main people who have shaped your thinking? Uh, and that could that could be like individuals that you know, but that could also be authors or particular preachers or, or that sort of thing. Uh, Bible aside or Bible included? Any any anything across the board. Okay, look, I do believe that the life of Job in the book of Job has shaped a lot of my thinking uh, in many ways. Um, I appreciate him. And the ideas that he had on keeping faithful despite the circumstances. And at some point in time, he still said, you know, this is so hard. I just want to die. So he recognized that he just didn't want to live anymore. And I appreciate that idea. And yet he said, I still hope for my redeemer to come, you know, because I know that he lived. So I, I appreciate him that um, that philosophy of accepting and committing to his current situation. So um, that was that was good. Uh, there is no doubt, at least in my profession, my mother. I have spoken in my podcast before about my one of my mentors. I have many, but she's one of them because she's probably the first psychologist I encountered with in my life. And, well, I ended up doing the same thing. Um, so, definitely, yeah. Those are the two people that I can think of. I would say my dad as well, but um, I think the... The thing that I have from my dad that has influenced the way I think is his way of thinking quite logically and more uh, cold-heartedly in the sense of, you know, sticking to the facts kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but that, that's, that's, those are the people that I can think of have influenced most of my thinking. Um, sure. That come to mind right now anyways. Cool. Well, uh, obviously, uh, as we're sort of moving towards your professional work, uh, mm. you know, psychology is something that is, or at least can be, very polarizing within Christianity. There are some very <laughs> strong feelings about from Christians as to whether psychology is or is not compatible with Christianity or for faith sure. in general. Yeah, for um, sure. Why do you think that there is such strong feelings about it, and how do you respond when people ask those kind of questions? I, I think that psychology has been mixed with a lot of error based on our Christian beliefs. So if we if we contrast psychology as it is today with what Christianity is about, you will find a lot of contradictions either for, for right or for wrong between each of the two fields. So um, that has been a big um known of for a lot of Christians, fundamental Christianity, because I've seen that in Adventism as well as in other uh, Christian spheres, so um, from fundamental Christians. So, and, and examples of this could be things such as hypnotism, meditation, and psychology has been influenced for, by a lot of a lot of Eastern religion. Uh, mm-hmm. When I think about people like Freud, uh, one of the fathers of uh, a stream of psychology, which is psychoanalysis, he uh, utilized... Uh, a lot of his techniques initially 
uh, stolen or borrowed, if you want to call it stolen, I don't know, um, uh, mm. influenced by Mesmer. And Mesmer comes from the, uh, that's from where the term mesmerized comes, mesmerism. And, and mm. that is what's that, that kind of hypnotism that happens to change people, to persuade people. And both of them were physicians, but then they started to do this stuff as a way to heal their patients, even physically. Mm. And so it comes with a lot of mysticism and no doubt today, as we know psychology, it's very influenced by streams of Buddhism, Zen Buddhism, and that kind of mm. stuff, that it's very uh, anti-Christianity in its fundaments because we believe in Christianity that our minds are meant to be always filled with something whilst on the other side there is a strength of thinking that we need to keep our minds somehow empty to be able to relax to be able to distress to be able to cure some of those things that makes us depressed and anxious mm -hmm. so i guess my response uh to christians is that uh, the term psychology is not a swear word it just means psyche which is kind of like life soul mm. it's in the bible uh, just at the very elemental, rudimentary level, the, the, it's, it's not something that is a swear word. The yeah. other part is that there are a lot of psychological um, terms in the scripture, as we know them, that are utilized by psychologists. Matter mm -hmm. of fact, as well as some of them were astray with all of this mysticism, there are many... Um, various psychologists who also come from uh, religious backgrounds, ministers even, who were interested in the well-being of the soul, of the mind, of, of people's well-being in general. And, and they became some kind of psychologists. People don't know about that. Though, and that doesn't mean that they are stray from their Christianity, but rather they influence what we know as psychology today. Many psychologists do not know that. They wouldn't have a clue that in the Bible you can see things like CBT, cognitive behavioral mm. therapy or interpersonal psychotherapy or act acceptance and commitment therapies stuff like mm. kind of like axioms like principles that we have in the bible was written way before any of the books mm. that um that we have in psychology today so yeah yeah i, I was just going to say one of the things that i find really interesting about what you're just saying there is that some of those principles some of those things that we see being active and like you mentioned a lot of psychologists wouldn't even know that they're using biblical principles when they're in their practice but uh, i find that really interesting that that from a scientific perspective people who are coming from a you know ostensibly an atheistic worldview mm. have reached the same uh the same conclusion as to what is helpful to the human mind that mm. the Bible has been already teaching us for thousands of years. I just mm. find that a really interesting concept. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, th I think one of the reasons why, and it goes back to something that in philosophy it's called the hot um, question or the hot debate between what is science and what isn't science. And so I mm. think what science has done is proven some of those things that are biblically given but many times i'm being known to them it's almost as if we are reinventing the wheel but a lot of people don't know that that wheel has already been there for a long time um, mm. yeah yeah what do you think as a as a society and when i when i say as a society I guess what i'm really meaning is like mm. first world west like western culture yeah. sort of society do you think that our culture is contributing to mental health problems or do you think that it's just always been there and we're just recognizing it and diagnosing it more now oh that's a complex question i do we do know 
there is evidence that we do seem to have a lot more clinical mental health issues today. Mm. Now, there could be a lot of reasons for that. And uh, that's where that can be complex. I mean, one of the th reasons for that could be that we now know more about mental health. Hmm. Um, one of the other reasons could be that, for example, we, um, it's more than a decade now, we changed the diagnostic, diagnostic criteria. We call it the DSM-5, which is kind of like the manual to know. And hmm. within that manual, some of the diagnosis go lower, the bar go lowered a little bit. So what mm -hmm. happens is that now could it be that we're having more people with certain diagnosis because of the bar, because the bar has been lowered and sometimes the bar gets lower because people need help. And if you don't mm -hmm. meet a clinical criteria, you don't get the help, you know, the help, the, the funding bodies yeah. do, do mm -hmm. not provide you with the support. So that could be mm -hmm. another option. However, on the other side, when I think about what causes um, mental health issues or an imbalance, we, we have to go back to the, the what we call the matrix of mental health. So a while back in the 70s, 80s, we used to talk about a model that is called a biopsychosocial model. And we've been working under that model for a long time. But as of, I don't know, maybe the 90s, early 2000s, we've been thinking, you know, we, we, we seem to be missing the spiritual aspect because we don't seem to see it, but we know that it's real there. It's kind of like that metaphysical thing that a lot of people in Christianity run away from, but it exists. Yeah. And so now we don't call it the model. Now some of us like to refer to that idea of the matrix. Dr. Sean Shea, which is a suicidologist and specialized in emergency medicine in Florida in the United States, mm. talks a lot about this model. And I subscribe to that model because mm. it, it's, it, 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 we know that the physical aspects the social aspects, the psychological aspects, as well as the spiritual aspects, whatever that means, do have mm. an impact on mental health. Mm. So we, in our Western societies, in our, in our capitalistic way of living, we do have a lot of things that can be detrimental to those areas. You know, the way we eat, the way we socialize or lack of socializing. Mm. Um, the the, um, the secularism of our societies uh, that are pushing back against spiritual matters, even though we all have certain spiritualities, sometimes we don't recognize we're practicing those uh, spiritual mm -hmm. habits. So all of those areas do seem to have an impact in our societies today, as we know them mm -hmm. in, in the mm -hmm. Western world, for sure. And so just with that, uh, I guess that intersect between spirituality and psychology that you're just referring to there, I guess this is somewhat of a related question, but what do you, what do you see as some of the biggest untapped opportunities that we have as uh, as a church, as as Christians? What are some of the biggest opportunities that we have, thinking from your perspective in your field? Yeah, well, I think we need to be more open about it. Uh, one of the things that it's like a like a I have this burden that uh, as a church and even in, in overall as Christians. We need to be more open to the idea that mental health issues are actually real and they are not just necessarily purely spiritual. I think uh, was the was outside in the secular non-Christian world, we have disregarded for a long time, we have neglected the aspect of spirituality. In the church, 
we might have gone the opposite side on the pendulum. We have spiritualized a lot of things. Whilst it is true that back, for example, in the time of Christ, there were a lot of diseases that maybe today we could query that demon possession could have been one of those high-end mental health psychiatric issues. There are so many things out there that are not necessarily a spiritual issue. They're just the result of uh, a, a experiences, lifestyles, uh, lack of opportunities, prejudicial upbringings that are not necessarily related to spirituality. And and mm-hmm. we have that in in the Bible. There's many cases in the scripture when you can see people who are very close to God. Speak, God speaks to them directly, who are feeling hopeless, helpless, remorseful, that they don't want to go on. And we could classify that as depression. People who have gone to war, and you could classify that as PTSD. People who feel uh, overwhelmed with the tasks, and you can classify that as anxiety. They classify the way we know them now. So I think as a church, what we could do is we could start thinking a little bit outside of the idea of everything is spiritualized. If you are depressed, therefore you are not consecrated to God. And, and we, we need to have a bit more of that open idea. And then we can offer something to the, to, to, to the people outside. One of the things that struck me not long ago in our local area, uh, maybe, well, not long ago, maybe my memory is failing, but maybe a year and a half or so ago, we went around in the little town when we, when we have our church doing surveys. And most people, the, 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 high, uh, the highest percentage of people being interested in community programs were related to mental health. Oh, I want to know more about depression. Oh, I want to know more about, about anxiety. Oh, I want to know more about uh, addictions. And um, and I think the church could capitalize on that, not only for the sake of, you know, putting a foot on the door of somebody else's, uh, somebody else's home, but rather to alleviate some of that suffering and affliction that people are having, because it's real. It's actually mm. real. Yeah, and mental health issues, they affect the quality of life so, you know, so mm. enormously. And, yeah, I just think as a church, we are very good, and, and yeah, particularly the, the church that you and I belong to, you mm. know, the Adventist church has such a focus on health. Mm. I, I think that it's a, it's re, it seems to be, anyway, a really big blind spot that we could be doing a lot more with. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we have gotten better. I mean, we have mm. champions, in, at least in our church, champions like us. Um, Dr. Nin Nedley, you know, who mm. have been talking about mental health for a long time. And funny enough, that's not even his area of speci- specialty, you know. He's an uh, 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 internal medicine, medicine physician, but there is a linkage between the gut and the mind. And, yeah. and he got an interest. But he's been championing this for a long time. And I think people are getting more per, um, a greater perception of the need of this. As Adventists, mm. one of the things when, when, when you ask me what do I answer to people, uh, mm. There is a lot of ways that I do, depending on how I'm thinking at the time. But um, with Adventists, one of the easiest things that I can do to answer about psychology and, and mental health and Christianity is, hey, you know, we have two volumes called Mind, Character, and Personality, and they are full of uh, actual mm. psychological principles that, mm. that that we can use. So, yeah. Yeah. So just to uh, now to come to like the situation that we find ourselves in now, right, with the COVID-19 thing that has been everywhere, it's changed everybody's life. Everybody mm. that's listening to this is, has been affected by it in some way, is highly likely. Mm, absolutely. Um, have you seen, obviously, I guess you're, you're working, uh, you know, professionally. Ha- have you seen firsthand as yet any negative effects of what's been going on on people? Yes, yes. I, I haven't seen... 
the um, people overly distress because where I am sitting at the moment, I haven't had the chance, opportunity, need. I haven't been called yet. Uh, that might change in the future. Hmm. But um, I, I have seen secondary effects such as people becoming uh, quite stressed about it that are neglecting other areas of their healthcare. Um, which is sad and it's dangerous. Sometimes, some, some, sometimes they're also neglecting areas of the children's care mm. be, because of this. Um, there are also, but I do know that there has been a great impact on a lot of people because the repercussions of COVID nineteen are not only physical, as you can imagine, around the world. They, yeah. they they come with you know we go back to that matrix biopsychosocial spiritual issues, and mm-hmm. there is a lot of psychosocial issues around the idea of COVID nineteen relating mm-hmm. to people losing jobs um, mm-hmm. because of the isolations the lockdowns depending on where they are, um, mm-hmm. yeah. That's just an so example. what what do you see like lo- looking looking forward like obviously we're, we're not that far you know in the greatest scheme of things we're not mm-hmm. that far into this whole experience. As time goes on, what would you say are, are some of the biggest threats to people's mental health and like what, what are the kind of things that people should be looking out for? Well, at the moment, I think the idea of this isolation business, um, it's probably the greatest um, threat to mental health. Um, and it's not because it's not needed, but rather because if we don't think about it uh, a little bit more on as to how we can tackle it, how we can reduce its effects and be actively involved in that reduction of its effects, we, we can end up depressed, anxious, even perhaps traumatized after the math. Mm. So, um, yeah, I think, I think the isolation aspect is something that will be one of the greatest things. I mean, we cannot minimize, like I mentioned before, the, so- the, the socioeconomical impact. So there's a lot of people who literally will be in need of food, per se, because they don't have anything. They might be losing houses, mortgages. They cannot pay the rent. Um, so d- that will have definitely uh, an impact as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but just with the, m- at the core of the matter... And when we talk about the idea that we all have to have a part in isolating, in social distancing, um, mm. it, it is it is something that I think will play a great role in men- the mental health well-being of people. Why? I mean, you mentioned, um, obviously, you know, there's a, n- a number of different things that you mentioned there, all of which are, are really vital, but you mentioned isolation a couple of times. As based on the way we're wired, why, why is isolation such a, a damaging thing to us? Uh, that's a good question. The reason why isolation can be damaging is because Plato once says that we are, as human beings, we are something that he calls some politicon, which means we're social beings. Hmm. And so we like interacting with people. I mean, there are al- some people, there are some people who live like hermits. They live in caves. Um, mm-hmm. They live isolated, not only isolated, but potentially even lonely because there's mm-hmm. a difference there. And um, but that's the exception rather than the rule. We wouldn't classify that as normal, however normal that is. And so for them, so we need to have interactions with people. When I think about God, God created us in such a way that we have interactions. When we go back to the Book of Genesis, He it's not that He made a mistake. I think uh, this is just 
Daniel's version of the of the ideas, but um, I think God might have might have intentionally uh, allowed Adam to see what it was like to not have somebody like every other creature around, and mm-hmm. maybe that will have created some more effect in appreciating who Eve was for him. And um, anyhow, bottom line is that mm. God knew best and he didn't put Adam by himself. He could have made him to be a self-reproducing being, mm. but he wasn't. So, yeah, we, we, we thrive by being connected mm. with people. Mm. And so, how would you say for those people that are isolated or, or doing the social distancing thing you know like i mean for for me i'm, I'm in day 12 uh, right now of, mm-hmm. of, of doing this and uh, what would you recommend to me and and anyone else that's in the same the same boat what would you recommend as the best ways to um to keep our mental health on top through through this time of isolation well one of the things that would be before I think before we think about the proactive aspects, I think what maybe one of the things that we need to think about is uh, identify when it's getting too much, and then mm-hmm. maybe we can move on to the proactive things. Because in my mind, when I think about uh, isolating um, people, we don't tend to see the changes that are happening in us straight away unless we sit back and self-reflect. It's like kind of like going to the gym, mm-hmm. you know, like you go to the gym and you don't feel any changes. People can see changes in you if they don't see you for a long time, but you don't. And then if you stop going uh, for a year or so, and then you go back to pictures from that back when you were going, you feel, you, you see like, oh, wow, I actually wasn't too bad. And mm-hmm. then you realize that, that you just didn't appreciate it, what you had back then. And that can happen in this in this in this arena too, where we don't realize the, the effects that this is having on us. So self reflection is important, and, and and basic things are like, for example, some people might start getting a little bit more concerned about the health of their the people they love. You know, if they have children, they will start being more concerned about their children. Uh, they might start getting concerned about um, the care they give to the children. Or the people they love around them, uh, the parents, um, brothers, sisters, partners, husbands, wives. The other part is isolation and the, the, the COVID-19 state at the moment in the world seems to be such that there is a lot of uncertainty. And uh, if we are living with that uncertainty, we need to recognize it. And usually uncertainty might be reflected with a lot more frustration. So things that didn't use to get on top of you are getting more on top of you. Like things that you didn't get too concerned about, they seem to be more concerning about. And it's very simple things, very simple things. Uh, things that we do in our everyday, for example, uh, you, you didn't wash that dish, you left it in the sink uh, again. Mm. And this has been happening like for a long time. Your children have been doing it for a long time, but all of a sudden it becomes an issue. Or mm. things such as... Uh, you didn't close or you didn't put away the, the toothbrush. And this has been going on for a long time and all of a sudden it becomes, so we become more frustrated. The other aspect is, you know, when we talk about social isolation, and I think I might have mentioned the idea that one thing is that social isolation and another idea is social um, um, loneliness. Mm. And you can be socially isolated but not be lonely. Mm. So when you start feeling lonely, 
you start being separated from people. So you might be isolating with your wife, with your kids, with your partner, with whoever you live. You might live on your own. That can be a little bit even even a bit harder for people when they're on their own in isolating. Mm. Um, but if they are with people and they're withdrawing from people, that's a sign. If you're on your own and you're withdrawing from people in those social contexts through media, that could be a sign as well. Um, another aspect that I think might come related or touch the frustration is boredom. Mm-hmm. Boredom is like a big thing. When you start getting bored more often, that means that there is something that has to probably change uh, 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 as well. Um some people also have this increased desire to um, use substances. And some yeah. people might be smoking already and they increase their smoking. Some people might be drinking, increase their drinking. Or some people never did that or left that a long time ago and they start doing that. That's another sign that there is some kind of like poor coping at the time. So it's important to recognize it. Uh, and then there is the classic symptoms of depression, you know, like feelings of hopelessness, helplessness, guilt, shame, loss of appetite, not sleeping too well or sleeping too much as well. That could be uh, a, a sign. And so if people were to recognize that, sit back and, hey, you know, what, what am, am, I, am I not doing what I used to do regardless of the fact that I don't go to work, I don't go to school, I don't go to university, I'm not participating in it, I'm not going to church. Um, it, it, it is important to sit back and reflect and also mm. s- observe the people around you if you're isolating within your home with other people because again remember you might not see your own changes but you might be able to see somebody else's changes and yeah. and help them out that way so that that's that's mm. that's i guess something to 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 think of yeah that's really helpful. I, I, I got to say, I thought I was doing really well until you listed all of that off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you, you are doing really well. I mean, you're connecting. You're still doing activities. Yeah. Uh, and and it go, now going back to what can I do to minimize the effects? Mm. Um, maybe this will counterbalance the idea, oh, you know, I'm not doing that well. Because if you see some of the things that I'll mention, maybe you think, oh, I'm doing that. So that, that's, mm. that creates that balance, maybe more of a homeostatic state. Yeah. And... Um, I think with this isolation business, it is important for us to, um, there is two things, two, two spheres at large. One is remembering that whilst we are socially isolating, um, we must not social distance ourselves. So there is mm-hmm. a difference in there. I mean, we do talk a lot about social distancing and physical distancing. Now, I think we need to start using the right terms. And I was talking to this about this with a colleague um, two weeks ago, I think. Mm-hmm. And it's the idea that we hear a lot about this stuff and of isolating or social isolation and social distancing. And we need to make sure that we remember that we are physically distancing ourselves from from the outside world now you mm. shouldn't do that when you're in your own home because i mean if you have people around and even the government say you know you can be with your own families in your own households and or whoever lives with you so that's fine mm. but um so we're talking about physical distancing in the means of social isolating which basically means for most people stay at home unless you really must leave and just go do your shopping and come back as quick as possible but we must mm. ensure that we don't social distance ourselves so this is where the world that we live in can create a greater a greater 
advantage that if you were to go back when we didn't have like social media. This is where social media that has been so criticized for so long in terms mm -hmm. of social isolation can yeah. become the hero today. Yeah. Right. Uh, I d you, you've probably seen it online, right? There's so many memes that have been popping up on Facebook and that where there's like the, the one of, you know, 10 years ago, pastors were like, you know, Facebook is from the devil. And now they're saying, you know, <laughs> join us Facebook for our church. service this Sabbath. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. That, that's exactly right. And, and mm. I mean, and even use things like, like, like con getting connected, like through telephone, email, text messaging. Uh, just like that social media, you know, to, through the usual stuff, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and even, mm. even, you know, having fun with um, TikTok kind of stuff can connect you with people around. But um, that that's one phase. The other phase, though, is uh, perhaps also keep connecting through the what we call the new face-to-face, -face, which is those if you had the opportunity. I mean, some places, some people don't have the opportunity to have reliable internet. You know, people live in the rural and remote areas. Mm -hmm. But if you do have that, that face-to-face -face is also important to, to try and keep connected to those people we love, to those people we care. Um, I think it is important, you know, like in, you know, the usual stuff like through Skype, FaceTime, um, yeah. Um, or yeah, so you're actually, you know, you're actually doing the social thing, right? You're, you're reading body language and looking for the cues and all the stuff that you would normally do. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It, it, it is so important. You know, one of the things that we know about grief and loss is that we've, we start becoming detached from, uh, and this is, might be a different thing altogether in terms of what we're talking, but it, it, it's related. You know, when we talk about grief and loss, we lose somebody who, who has passed away. Mm. Um one of the ways, one of the things that we talked about when we talk about in therapy is to celebrate the, the, the memories and to try not forget because people get scared about forgetting and they start getting depressed that they don't have that person again. Now the Bible is very clear, the memory of them is forgotten, but it's talking about the memory of the person who dies. We still mm -hmm. can remember dearly the people who passed away because it gives us hope. At least as Christians, we have the hope that Christ will come and he will bring them up to life. So... Mm -hmm. I guess if we transfer to what we're talking about here right now, we need to keep on remembering what the people that we love look like, what they behave like. It, it's part of our psychological well-being to be able to connect um, with the people that we care, that we love. And there is research that shows that, that there is a greater impact when you see the people that nurture you and we, with, for example, little kids as compared to just, uh, you know, being behind the scenes and not even talking or doing anything. Um, mm. Yeah, so yeah, that that's 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 very important. The second phase is to ensure that you follow a kind of a structure, and that's where most people will probably have a lot more struggle. We are we at least in our century, we tend to be a little bit good, a lot better with social media, especially those who have accepted it. Some people, like uh, baby boomers and older, might struggle with that. But hopefully, eventually, some people who are in the newer generation who are connected with these people will help them to connect. But yeah. the structure of uh, of of the day, it's probably one of the things that will be quite hard for some people. And and the reason why we know it will be quite hard is because some people are isolated and they might go away from work. And so people, some people might be thinking like this is like a bit of a holiday. Reality mm. is that we don't know for how long this is going to go for. Mm. And... I don't know about you, but I know that when I go on a holiday, and this is something that happens, it's a social phenomenon. When we go on a holiday away from work, a lot of our routines go get messed up. 
Yes. Uh, I was thinking about this just the other day in the sense of how I tend to sit back in my spiritual life a lot when I go on holidays. Because, <laughs> you know, my yeah. routine goes messed up. You know, when, when I'm at, at work, I know I wake up at this time, I do my devotion, I go to work. But when I mm. don't, I wake up later sometimes if I can. Sometimes my body doesn't allow me, my mind wakes up early, but I stay in bed for longer. I don't have mm -hmm. to go to work. And by the time I realize, okay, you know, it's time to get up. Oh, but I haven't done my devotions. Let's do them now. But I'm thinking, oh, the day is almost gone by. I want to do something else. Yeah, yeah. you're in a hurry already. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So mm -hmm. it gets messed up. So we need to make sure that the routine of a, a day structure helps. And and that goes not only for us, but also for people who are around us, especially those who have kids, for example. Uh, a routine mm -hmm. is so important. So something practical stuff that I can share with you are things such as make sure that uh, as you're in social isolation, you change out of your pajamas each morning, mm. uh, which is something that you will do usually if you were going to get ready to go to the shops to drop the kids to school. I mean, some people don't, <laughs> but, yeah. um, but generally uh, speaking, it yeah, <laughs> yeah, ideally speaking, I mean, if you do the pajamas all day and that's part of what you do every day, well, that's kind of your routine and stick to that. But if you don't, you know, getting out of your pajamas, it's, it's psychological, it's mental, you know, as you are preparing yourself to go on to a day and it doesn't mean that you have to go formally dressed unless you're mm. working some people are working from home and yeah. if you are used to go out of home and it's important for you to bring your mindset to the idea that i'm not at the office or i'm not out of my home but i'm working from home but if i were out i will be like this so you prepare yourself and you dress up as if you're going to be working there and you go mm. and set up your task otherwise you're going to procrastinate a lot more and it's going to yeah. be a lot harder mm. um, setting up a workspace could help mm -hmm. as well um this yeah, definitely I, I know that's really really helpful <laughs> for me <laughs> working working from home and mm. actually having a space to do it it makes a big difference yeah this might sound a bit too rigid look but i i do think that this is important be somewhat strict with with a schedule with with, with uh, a, a structure of your day mm -hmm. um, because defining a schedule will allow you to have a definition of what your day will look like. Mm. You know, having like, okay, during this time, I'm going to be doing my working hours and you're going to have the break whenever you think that you're going to have the break, um, which is something that happened. Look, I'll tell you, like, for example, my, I and my wife have decided to homeschool our kids for, for some years now. We haven't done this all the time, but I mm. know we have tried. She has, I shouldn't say we, because all the credit goes to her, really. She has tried different styles of homeschooling in terms of schedules and things like that. And, and she knows that when there is a bit of a more rigid way of doing school, uh, things do get to be accomplished and achieved. Mm. If they don't, they just linger and procrastinate and very little gets accomplished. And then you are rushing at the end of the term to try and finish everything together. Yeah. Um, limited distractions is also important because we, we're human beings. We, we tend to be distracted a lot. Um, and we live in uh, the land of push notifications. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And so that that can set you back for a long time by the time you realize uh, it's almost gone. And, and we live by a sense of accomplishment. Our mindsets are such that we, when we accomplish something, when we do something that we set our mind to, we feel better naturally. Mm. If we don't, we start having a feeling of, of, of despondency, of guilt and shame. Uh, and with that comes later on depression. Now, at mm. the beginning, that won't happen, but the more we do it like that, 
And remember, we don't know how long this is going to go for. Uh, it can get worse. You know, the risk increases. Yeah. And of course, keep, keep keeping in touch, keeping in touch with the people that you would regular keep in touch. We already talk about that, but specifically thinking about people who might be uh, at home and they're not working or they're working from home, keeping in touch with people from work is beneficial. Mm-hmm. Uh, it gives you a sense of still attaching to your work. It's, it gives you a sense of, uh, again, accomplishment. Uh, it also ensures that you are back on task. Uh, I know you work from yep. home, like you mentioned. I'm assuming that along the way and the things that you do, you will be communicating with your clients. Uh, and, if, yes. and if you didn't, uh, I don't know, I'm assuming that a couple of things could happen. Your client will be wondering, you know, he's thinking a little bit, I haven't heard from him for a while. And you might yep. also feel a bit more pressure, like, oh, I haven't told him that I'm this far away in the project. So by the t- yeah. every time you tell him, hey, this is how we go, and you feel like, okay, I, I've told him something. And, and mm, it, absolutely. It, like <laughs> at the, you know, I try to, by the end of the week, like any project that's currently on, I always try to touch base with them by the end of the week. And that's great. I mean, they appreciate that, but it, the truth be told, it's for me. It's so when I get to the weekend, I'm not going through the weekend thinking, oh, are they thinking this about me? Or are they waiting for this? Or are they waiting for that? Mm. I know that I've told them and they don't ha- I don't have to worry about what they're thinking because they've already been informed, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it makes it a lot easier. The, the psychological burden decreases, you know, that emotional burden. Yes. Uh, mm. It gives you peace. And one of the other things that I think we must not forget is also, depending on the circumstances, most of the things that I have spoken about are people that maybe are working from home or they need to have a routine. It's important to have a routine regardless of. But mm. um, even even if you have kids that are not going to school, that are having a school holiday, it's important to have a routine. A lot of the times when we used to be able to get out, uh, parents will go and say, like, you know, we're going to go to the park on this day and then we can do that and that and that. Now we cannot do that. So you need to make sure that you develop some kind of a plan at home. But this is this is a key factor with this. It's, it's important for us to also have fun. Because yes. in our everyday time, when, when we, were not having so, we were not having social isolation, we will be having fun. Mm. Either with other people. I was surprised the other day. I went. I, I saw on Facebook or Instagram. I don't remember that somebody was announcing like a Zoom party, <laughs> mm. <laughs> and, and I never heard of that before. Maybe I'm in my little shell. I, I like to think that I do try to keep abreast with uh, social media and technology because I like to be participant, especially when uh, was many a lot of my patients are teenagers and that kind of mm. uh, clientele. But I never heard of a Zoom party. And mm. so, and I did. I was almost tempted to join, just to see what it was like. But yeah. I was like, ah, oh, whatever. Maybe if I see it again, I'll try to think of doing it and, and see if it matches my timings of being awake. Mm. But um, having fun, it, it is important. Uh, and with that, I mean, for people who have children, for example, uh, it is important for them to keep them active. Like they, you might be going to parks, to soccer games, to swimming. Now they kind of do that. So you have to do something at home, something that keeps their interest. Mm. It's a good opportunity, either if you don't have children, but if you have children, it's a good opportunity for you to teach them a new skill, for example. Mm. Um, teach them something that they can do during mm. the time that they're at home. And you can be involved. You know, the connectedness that you can develop with children can be great. If you don't yeah. have, if you're on your own and, 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 or, or, or whatever, you mm. still can do use that principle because it could be a good opportunity for you to learn a new skill. You could yes. learn a new language. You could learn how to do programming. You could learn how to do websites. I mean, it will never be as mm-hmm. good as look, but we you could try, <laughs> you know, to uh, as a hobby. You could try to develop uh, something else. You could try to do origami, whatever. Mm. Something that you always wanted to do that you think that you can do at home. And the reality is that most things, even flying, 
you could do at home because the reality is you could learn a lot of the theory and then maybe when this finishes you subscribe yourself to the nearest um, uh, flying school in yeah, Vanderbilt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So that that is important. That is mm. important, you know, to to utilize to to read about it, to play about it, to research about it, a new topic, a new skill, a new knowledge that you can gain. It will give you a sense of achievement as well. Yeah. Um and relax, I think I think one of the things that comes with this uh, COVID-19 is the uncertainty, you know. And mm. um, we need to probably step back and yeah. relax a little bit more. <sighs> Social media has done uh, so many blessings, so many goods, and at the same time, it's bombarding us with everything about COVID-19. Yeah. It is hard not to see it, and I think that can make it difficult. It is mm. important for us to choose who we're going to listen to you know hmm. most of the panic like this toilet paper panic that we're having around the world now <laughs> is, yeah. I, I am almost confident and this is just no factual this is anecdotal i'm almost confident it started to source through social media it, it became yeah. a, 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 a social uh, ep, a, a, um, pandemic before it was a pandemic you know <laughs> going and <laughs> and stocking yourself with this stuff and, and and so we need to relax a little bit I think it is important, we know, we have evidence in, in situations like these disasters have left us a lot of knowledge that it is important for us to uh, be informed, know what's happening, but there is two things. One, be informed from sources that are reliable. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there is a lot of people who have suspicions about whatever, you know, governments and things like that. But you need to be to make sure that you you pick up your sources, something that is reliable, something that actually makes sense, and something that will be relevant to you. Because even if this was a conspiracy, and I know that w- this is not what we're gonna get into, but even if this was a conspiracy, the reality is that the government is given <laughs> guidelines that you have to follow, or otherwise there will be something that will happen as a result, like a repercussion. And we're getting very close yeah. to that. Hmm. So you need to get informed about that. It doesn't matter whether this was something that came because of such and such. We are where mm-hmm. we are, and you have to do whatever there is that has to be done. So yeah, it the is facts are still there, and we still have to interact with Absolutely. them. Absolutely. It's just, just reality. Denying of that reality will get you into trouble and, and, yeah. and getting a bit more paranoid and anxious and stressed. And your children will pick on that for those who have kids. Yes. Um, yeah. So get your sources, and number two, limit the amount of time that you do it. That's That's yeah. a very key factor that we know mm-hmm. research has shown that whenever we have a disaster, uh, whenever we have a big issue, we need to make sure that we limit um, maybe once daily, maybe twice daily, but more than that, three will be pushing it, more than that will be too much. It will affect you, yeah. it will affect people around you. So I guess the issue here is how do we relax? Mm. Uh, I don't know. Is there anything that you do to relax, Look, that you think of that could be helpful? I can tell you a few things, but um, anything that you think of yeah, for for me to relax, probably one of the main things that springs to mind is something that I hardly ever do, and that probably tells you how often I relax. But um, <laughs> so uh, I I really enjoy music, really enjoy playing guitar. I, oh I, wow! I, I feel like that allows me to get my head out of the out of the 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 tangled mess that life is, and mm. allows me to just um, you know go somewhere else for a bit. That's awesome. One, another. 
Another one that I really enjoy, uh, which I haven't also done for a really long time and with social distancing, maybe a while off yet, but um, playing squash was something else that mm. sort of like crowds everything else out because it requires all of your attention. But uh, then, uh, you know, afterwards you feel relaxed and, you know, you're not stressed about things and all that. Yeah, they're, they're the mm. two things that spring to mind for me. Oh, nice. Mm. Uh, I was going to think, judging from your social media, that you used cooking as a way of relaxing and taking pictures oh. of it. <laughs> yes, that is actually that is very true. I, I'm, photography I'm not, would be one. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say photography. Yes, definitely. Um, and uh, yeah, and cooking is sort of one that <laughs> someone said to me something about. Oh, you know, your social media's always got food in it. You know, and I, and I said, yeah, well, especially at this time of uh, you know what's going on, it's like cooking is like one of the only things that I can do because mm -hmm. it, I can do it at home. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. good, good. Mm. Look, those are good things, and I think. I ask you the question on purpose because we need to find out what relaxes us. We we are different, mm. you know, yes. like that, that gives you a sense of relaxation. And I think everybody who listens to this episode, it's important for you to sit back and say, you know, what, what actually gives me a sense of relaxation? What gives me a sense of debriefing, getting out, uh, taking time out so that I can have time in back in with the people that I love, that I care, that I, that I actually want to have some positive influence on. And once you find that out, go ahead and practice. Some things, though, that uh, could be beneficial for some people is, remember, we're being bombarded by negative stuff, which mm. is reality, a lot of it. And so we need to somehow maintain that sense of hope and positive thinking, which can mm. be hard in this, um, you know, in this arena, in, this, in the way things are at the moment around the world. Mm. So... But what, it, what can help for some people, and this is something that you can ask potentially any psychologist around the world, and they will tell you, yeah, this is something that I would desire for most, if not every of my patients, to practice, which is keeping a journal. And, um, mm -hmm. and, and, and journals can be for anything, but, but for this specific purpose of relaxation and keeping a sense of hope and help and positive thinking, uh, one of the things that we encourage people is to write down things that that you are grateful for things mm. that are actually going well because we already know what is not going well we know that that we are socially isolated we know that there is fines if we get out we know that we cannot go more than two in australia we know that we cannot have more than 10 if there is a at the moment anyhow that might change uh, for a funeral more than five for a wedding we know that there is no mm. toilet paper we know mm. all this mm. stuff that is going it's hard mm. so we don't need to remember that at the moment everything else reminds us of that But we need to remember the things that are actually not too bad, things that are that are going well, because amongst all these, there are things that might be going well. We just need to yeah. look back, sit back, reflect, mm. and be thankful to God for that. Yeah, yeah, that is so practical. I, lo I love that idea of journaling. That's something that um, I have done intermittently. That's not something that I, I'm, I'm regular at. But yeah, that is uh, always. Yeah, that's a really nice experience. So, yeah, that, that is cool. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, and and today, just if I might say about that idea, is pff, let's take advantage of what is out there, you know. Uh, mm. There is many apps that you can use for that. Some people mm. like to journal by audio. You just journal, you know, just record yep. yourself saying, hey, you know, today I'm thankful for uh, fresh air for my daughters, for my wife. Today I'm thankful because I still have a job. Today I'm thankful because I don't have a job, but I can be at home now more often. Maybe something that I was yeah. overdue or whatever, you know. Something that happened that might even be negative, there is something that always will be behind because we have to remember something. Mm -hmm. And this is where some people m who might listen to this, 
might still not have discovered depending on where they are on their spiritual journey remember that matrix and and that is that those people who love god everything works for good mm. despite of the hardship now if whoever listens they're like who is that god and i don't even know who he is therefore i don't love him maybe something to start discovering and social isolation might be a good time to start unpacking that idea of what that means mm. Mm. yeah absolutely now, just, uh, I mean, I want to be respectful of your time. I, I know okay. I've had a lot of it, which has been great. <laughs> but before we do wrap up, uh, mm. I have d- just two things. One sure. is, if there's, if there's anything else that you feel that um, that you'd like to share, anything that is helpful that we may have missed. And secondarily, um, if people would like to know more about you or listen to your podcast or find out more of what you do, how do they find you or get in touch with you? Okay, so I cannot think of anything that I missed, not because I didn't miss anything, but because right now I cannot think of You were it, very so. thorough. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there is more, and some people might think, in, especially if they're colleagues of mine, oh, you didn't mention that, Daniel, what, what is, what's wrong with you? Not a good practitioner. That's right. Gives us an excuse for a part two, right? <laughs> this is true. This is true. And one of the things that we didn't talk, maybe I won't say much about it, but maybe mm. could be part two, and that is the aftermath. After this yeah. finishes, we know research has shown us we have seen it from again from disasters like this uh, that can relate to can be transferred the knowledge uh, mm. that there will be an aftermath, and that comes with psychological aftermath as well in in, mm. in infections. There's specifics as well to do with that, like um, reintegrating physically will be a struggle for some people. But anyway, maybe that could be part two as well, but something to think about later. How can people see me? Um, I mean, contact me. Well, look, I, I host the Adventist Reflections podcast. And Adventist Reflection podca- podcast, you can find it in most places where you find podcasts, like iTunes, Spotify. Um, I am native with uh, Podbean, mm-hmm. and I, I last year I developed some biblical psychology episodes. I have delivered about seven or eight. Some of them include interviews with people about anxiety, about ADHD, medications, meditation, but it's all related to Christianity, of course. And and I have been doing commentaries that I call them interpersonal commentaries on on Sabbath school topics, and I mm-hmm. usually go a bit I tried to be a bit sidetracked from the actual main lesson because you know I I don't want to repeat anything that anybody else says it's more interpersonal ideas that I think are relevant Mm -hmm. I like to think about delivering something where the rubber meets the road more practical and uh, but I can be found as Adventist Reflections on Facebook on Instagram on Mm -hmm. um, Twitter and I also have a private practice which is called New Start um, new start psychology and counseling and, and I have a, f- a Facebook page and mm. you can also find it on Instagram and the website you know new start mm. psych that's p-s-y-c-h dot com dot au and you mm-hmm. can and we'll, we'll have mm. links to all of that in the show notes so if anyone wants sure. to uh, find find any of those things yeah, we'll make sure that's possible so awesome so, Dan, I want to thank you so much for uh, being generous with your time and, and also really giving well-reasoned and, and a really thorough treatment to this. I, I really appreciate it, and, uh, and I'm sure there's a lot of people that are listening that do as well. So, My pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me, Luke. All right. No worries. Well, I'll leave you to it. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. And I would love to hear what you think about this episode. Please feel free to comment on social media or wherever it may happen to be. If you've enjoyed it, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever wherever you happen to listen to the podcast. And we will catch you guys next Tuesday. 
And that's the end of another episode. Just before I head off, I want to encourage you to go over to our page on Facebook and also our account on Instagram and follow us there because that is where we interact with our listeners and we would love for you to enter in and join the conversation. Also, while you're signing up, I would also recommend signing up to our mailing list on our website, oztabletalk.com.au. If you do that, you will receive our exclusive content because occasionally we do release exclusives and they only go out to our mailing list. So I would strongly recommend you go and sign up for that. If you have a few more minutes to be one of the most amazing listeners on the planet, you can go over to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review because reviews help us to grow and they help other people to find us. So if you want to help us reach those goals, please jump in and give us a review. The final message that I'd like to leave you with is to let you know about our Patreon account. Now, Patreon is a way for creators to get paid for creating. And ultimately, what we do does cost money to get us hosted and have the services that we need to run the podcast. And so if you'd like to help us do that, jump over onto patreon.com slash oztabletalk and you can you can give anything from even a dollar a month upwards. But at different levels, there are different benefits, different rewards that we want to give you just to say thank you for being an amazing supporter of ours. If you can't afford that, we would just gratefully accept your prayers because that is what our ministry runs on. And so with that, I will leave you to your day and thank you so much for listening to this episode. We look forward to seeing you guys next week.